It's good to have you all here today. My name is Robert Kwame. I'm one of the pastors here at Kings, and it's great that I could bring the Word of God to us today. I know God is here with us, and He is here to bless us and to lift us up and strengthen Him. And my prayer today is that He will reveal Himself to us so that we don't go home the same as we came, that this week will be a blessing unto us and the weeks that are before us. Let me pray. Shall we pray at this time? Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that even as we worship together and even as we fellowship together, we'll pray that to God, you will bless to God this fellowship. Bless your word that comes to God. Let it not be my word. Let it be your word, Lord. Father, O oh God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be here to bless us, O oh God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. amen. Shall we say amen? amen. Okay, great. Um, let me start with a question. So, um, if somebody asks you, what does God want from you more than anything else? What would you say? What I want us to do is to turn to someone and ask them that question and see what they think. Among us here, there will be many, many answers. And um, I've asked some few people about this same question. And some of the answers I got were some people uh, may be thinking that we need to observe some rules. And some also think that we need to um, observe some religious uh, maybe rituals. So somebody uh, actually quoted uh, a scripture from the Old Testament that was talking about when Moses um, encountered the burning bush. If some of you know about that story. So in the Old Testament, Moses was in, uh, in sort of like a desert and then God appeared to him, but it was like a fire in a burning bush. And then Moses thought, okay, yeah, this is a holy ground. He removed his shoes and then worship God. And some people think, yeah, you know, let's observe religious uh, rituals. And um, so just imagine that as we've all come here today, we all remove our shoes and leave them in the courtyard. And then we walk in just to say, yeah, we're doing what God wants us to do. But does God want us to observe religious uh, rituals? That God wants what does God really want from us more than anything else? From the beginning of creation, God knew what he wants from his people. God, his people, Israel, God said to them that they should have no other God before him. This was his message in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Have no other God before me. Sometimes in our own lives, we do think we want to do something for God, or we do think God wants something uh, from us, and we try to do it for him. So somebody, an example is like, is, example was David, King David. King David, in his mind, had something that he wanted to do for God. But when he encountered God, God said, no, 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 no. That is not what I want you to do. Today, Israel, the people of 
Israel, God was saying to them that forever, among other things that you want to do, this is what I want you to do for me, to have no other God before me. What does God mean when he said, have no other God before me? What he was saying to his people, Israel, is that I want you to choose me alone. Because God has, a, God has moved with the Israelites, his children, he knew them. He knew their life. And he knew that sometimes in their life, they forget about God, and then they get engaged into many, many other things, and those things take God's place. Today, in our world, today, we are the children of God. And sometimes, we also put some things in place of God. What God wants from us is that he alone will take the highest place. I like weddings. I like attending weddings. I like officiating weddings. I just love the time spending, you know, um, speaking to uh, people who are preparing to get ma- uh, married. And um, it's just great. On that wedding day, when you see those two couples stand before you and make some vows. And at a point, the young man looked at his fresh, nice bride and said his words to her. I give you myself. There is no other. You are the love of my life. The Bible described in the New Testament that we as Christians, we, our relationship with Jesus is like a marriage. We are the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom. And Jesus loves us so much. He loves us first. And he also wants us to express our love to him. When we realize the love of our Father, it will give us strength to be able to love him with all our hearts. Today, in our Together series, this is what we are going to be looking at. How we can express our love to our Father. As a church and as an individual, we're going to learn how to or we're going to know how to express our love to God. So today, we're going to look at worship. Believers worshiping God is the way we express our love to God. And this is what we are telling God. We're telling God that we value you. We're telling God that you are important in our lives. When you look into the Bible, one of the Bible verses that, one of the Bible writers that expresses love to God is the Psalms. And today, what we want to do is to look into the Psalm and see what somebody, one of them, has written. 
So shall we turn our Bibles to Psalm 95? And it will come on the screen, but if you have your phone and it's on it, you can turn to it, or if you're comfortable, open your Bible, it will come onto it. And what I want us to do is to read it together. Psalm 95. Shall we read? Come, let's... Amen. Shall we say amen? amen? When I read this psalm, what came to me is a picture of one of the Old Testament churches. And so I want to imagine myself entering into an Old Testament church. And what did I see? I saw people in the temple with joy. I saw people in the temple picking up the tambourine and instruments and singing unto God. I saw people with laughter and happiness. This reminds me of New Day. In that very big top, when thousands and thousands, 6,000 young people are standing worshiping and people are jumping and crying and kneeling and some of, some of the worship at New Day, the, the young people are running around but they are praising God. This is the picture that I saw. Saw the people in this temple saying to God, you are the God of our salvation. Thanking him. In the Christian history, many people have devoted themselves to worship God and to give all their hearts unto him. So we have worshippers like David who danced before God and wasn't ashamed. We have Abraham who throughout his journey on earth mounted up altars to glorify God wherever that he is. God was everywhere he is. He worshipped God everywhere. Some time ago, I had a pastor who said, when we are going on holiday, we shouldn't hang God in our wardrobe. But God is wherever we are. He is there. What about Paul and Silas? Even in their time that they were in prison, they picked up their songs and sang unto the Lord. Today, you and I have been invited to come and worship him with our soul, with our mind, and with our strength. 
would you be a worshiper? I want to be a worshiper. I want to worship God. My experience of worship started when I was young. So my grandfather was a priest. And I remember me sitting in the pews and there was a lot of things going on in that worship. But I believe that one of the things that has made me to appreciate hymns was that time. Many of us are here. Our experience of worship may be different. We will have loads and different experiences. They are all part of it that has made us today. At a point, I left the town that I was in, and then I went to another town where I joined a church, and the worship there was also different. So the church there, they were vibrant. The people were singing with joy. Um, worship was so totally different. And I believe that it was a picture of that, that same picture that we saw in Psalm 95. However, is worship just Sunday? That is the big question. Is worship just singing like, like David and dancing like David? Is that all worship is about? Let's see what Paul tells us in Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, I would like us to read it together and as we read, I would like you to think about some of the words. And what we will do, we'll pick up a word there that we will talk about. So let's read it together. So, whether... Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Is it not incredible? This is so simple. When I read that, it was so simple. And what Corinthians were trying to do was to give us a broader sense of their content in, to worship. So I want to look at the three words. Whatever you do. Whatever you do. As Christians, we've been called to live a life that will glorify God. We've been called that our life should shine among men. We've been called. You know, people, we could talk to them and they will hear us. Or we could write to them and then they will read whatever we write about Christianity. But people read us more. And when our life is glorifying God, it draws people unto God. And this is what Corinthians is saying. He says that all that we do, whether we are at Nando's and we are eating, whether we are home and we are working, whether we are taking care of our children, honor God. Honor God. And his point there was not just honoring God, but his point in that very passage is that we should 
we should serve one another. It's not easy to live a Christian life. We need the Holy Spirit to help us to lead a Christian life. And Jesus gives us his spirit. It wasn't a coincidence when Jesus was on his way and he was standing by a well in the New Testament and met this woman that was called the Samarian woman. And they engaged in a conversation. And the conversation was actually about worship. Because the woman was thinking, how do I worship? We go to the mountains and worship. But Jesus said to the woman, those who worship God must worship God in spirit and in truth. When we know the truth in the word of God, we can live a life that will glorify his name. Through his spirit, God will strengthen us to worship him. We are motivated to worship. There's a young person in this, in this church that serves on, on our worship team and um, I've known him a bit and um, he likes worshipping. And uh, I sent him a text and I said to him, what motivates you to worship? And then he came back um, with a reply. And when I read it, I thought, wow, it would be great for us to hear what motivates him to worship. So at this time, I'm going to invite David, who will come out. So David is one of our, uh, doing FP on our team. FP is a time that people give themselves a year and serve the church. And he's been doing great work in the office, learning and also serving. And I want him to come, take one minute to share his story with us, what motivates him to worship. Shall we welcome David at this time? So when Rob asked me to talk about what motivates me to worship, I just kind of, it struck me because it's not something I think about the reason why, I just kind of do it. Um, And so when I had the chance, I wrote something down and I said that I worship firstly because I believe God is worthy of it. So Mm. when I first got saved, um, I was thinking about why, who God is, you know, what is the universe, what is the world, who made it. And when I decided to put my trust in Jesus, obviously I realized that he made it. He made the universe. He made the world. And so someone that made everything around me, he made my family, he made everyone. I believe that person, that God, is worthy of my praise. He's worthy of my song. He's worthy of my music. He's worthy of everything I do in my life, my worship. And the second reason why I worship because is because when I do that, it makes me feel great. It makes me feel good to communicate with the one that made me. Mm. Um, and so that's it. Right. Thank you, David. <laughs> what I picked from David's story is that grace that he's received from God. The grace and mercy from God. The mercy that God 
have shown to him. I want us to take a moment as we are here today, as we've come here today, we've come here because we love God. We come here because we want to be worshippers. We come here because we want to worship him and adore him. I want us to think of one thing, one way that God has shown mercy to you. Just one. How has God been merciful to you? From generation to generation, our God has been known as the God of mercy. And I just want to speak this into your life and see whether is that you. This is me. Hasn't God been merciful? Hasn't he been merciful? Somebody will say, if it was back home in my country, we would say, because I am alive, I will praise him. I was telling somebody the other day, I don't want to move away, but I was telling somebody the other day that even having margarine and butter when I was growing up, it's a luxury. <laughs> so the day I have a butter on my bread, <laughs> that is a, the mercy of God. And when I come to church, I'll let everybody know that I had butter. And you see it in my jumping. And you see it in my loudness. God has been merciful. Even when we were yet sinners. Hasn't he offered us pardon? even though we were guilty. Hasn't he given us grace and provided that our sins may be forgiven through his son Jesus Christ, even though you and I didn't deserve it? We went our way, some of us, like the prodigal son, offended. And when we came back, he didn't use that issue to punish us. We deserve punishment, but he didn't punish us. Let me read these words unto you. I know you've thought of a way that God has been merciful to you. You are alive today. You are alive today. Your sins have been forgiven today. This is what one of the writers said. There is no God like you. You forgive people who are guilty of sin. You don't look at the sin of your people. You are Lord. Your anger will not be forever against us. You enjoy being kind. Another version said, you delight in showing mercy. Today, God's mercy is here. If 
you think you don't deserve mercy, he says, you, he's given it unto you. And you can receive his mercy in this week, today and the weeks. And do you know what the, the psalmist said? His mercy endures forever. The Apostle Paul, knowing about what mercy is, wrote these words. Let's put that on the screen and let's read it together. Romans 12, 1, he says, Therefore, Therefore, all the mercies that God gave granted you. When you were supposed not to get a job, but you got it. When the doctor said it won't be well, but it became well. We had testimonies of, of um, um, Claude weeks ago when they, uh, his, his dad was supposed to die, but through God's mercy, today he's alive and came home. The things that we have gone through, this is what motivates us to worship him. To worship him. When we receive mercy, it enables us to show mercy unto other people because we know we've experienced the love of God. Mercy gives us the strength to worship our God. So how do we worship God? How do we do this? We worship God personally, and we also worship God corporately. Let me look at personal worship a bit. In personal worship, it's important because it helps us to grow in God, draw close to him, and, and strengthen, get strength from him. For myself, sometimes, I take a walk in the park. And as I walk through nature, and I see the things that God has, see all the things, nature and all the things that I, I know my God has done, I start to sing and bless his name. We are encouraged to also worship together. And that is what we are doing here this morning. Come together, pray, listen to the word, encouragement, serve one another. All is worship. Whatever you do is unto the Lord. The psalm that we read earlier, if you would notice, the psalm says, let us. Let us come. Let us kneel together. Let us sing together. Let us dance together. It's an emphasis that is being laid that it is important for a gathering like this. And we can gather either in a small way or we can gather in a big way. Our response to this will help us to build up the body of Christ. Lastly, I know that worship sometimes can be challenging. 
So the Bible talks about a, a story of a woman called Hannah. Hannah, in the Old Testament, she and the husband goes to worship. And anytime they were at the worship place, she was low. She was down. She didn't feel like lifting up hands. There are days that I don't feel like lifting up hands. She was burdened. But she took courage and began to whisper and began to speak to God. And I thought I would share this principle that the times that we come and we feel low, the time that we come and we feel that we are tired, the time that we come and we feel we are down and stressed with all the things around us, begin to whisper, begin to tell him you love him, begin to confess the word of God, begin to confess it into your heart, begin to say to him, I love you. I love you regardless. I love you. And as we do that, Things may not change. You may not receive a miracle on that day. But as we do that, our hearts will be lifted up. God will start to lift us up. And God will start to strengthen us. There will be joy in our hearts. I've never come into the house of the Lord and gone back the same. And that was scripture, isn't it? It said we come to him, we will not go back the same. The days that I feel not to go to small group, when I go, my heart is lifted up. This is the word of God. And his word is true. He will lift us up. We're going to enter into a time of worship right now. We want to wait upon God. We want you to tell God what is on your heart. If you feel low, it doesn't matter. If you feel like sitting, just sing. I want to invite the band to come. And as they come, we want to come before God. Do we want to receive from God? We are worshippers. We want to receive from God. We want him to fill us with his spirit. We want him to strengthen us today. We want to strengthen one another so that we can go into this world next week in our jobs, next week at our schools, being worshippers. You can invite somebody to coaster and have coffee by worshiping because you're discussing God and you are, you are glorifying God.